All right. I am so glad to be here. I don't know if you realize this. Of course you didn't. I haven't told you yet, but uh, you will have realized it after I tell you. That's the way that works. Isn't that funny how that works, Keith? Isn't that funny? My daddy's from Fitzgerald, Georgia. Actually, not even from Fitzgerald. He's from Ogerfield. How many of you ever heard of Ogerfield, Georgia? I can't believe. But yeah, you folks have because you wander around over there. If you go to Ogerfield, Georgia today, I don't think there's anything there, but it would still be seven miles on a dirt road. And you guys know a whole lot more maybe about, what do you, do you call that West Georgia? Is that what you call that? Central? It's nowhere. I mean, you'd have to go to nothing to get, you have to go to nothing, turn left at nowhere, and you'd wind up there. I think that's about how you get over there. But uh, anyway, um, his daddy was a, old country doctor, and a gentleman farmer back when uh, raising tobacco was a good thing to do. <laughs> I don't know if something changed now. I guess cancer. Maybe that was it, sort of. <laughs> we used to have a Corvair, too, and old Ralph Nader put the quietus on that, so there's a bunch of stuff we used to do that didn't work out too well, but uh, if you're not my age, you don't get that. But anyway, look it up. Google Corvair and see what Nader did to my mama's car, so... Yeah, never mind. I, I'm, it, this is probably as good as this going to get this morning, folks. <laughs> I am having more fun, though. I really am. I just love Jesus, and he loves me, and he's warming up to Andrew. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, me. I'm trying to whip Andrew into shape for God to love him. So It's tough. It's tough. I want to talk about something that's probably a little controversial, <clears throat> um, but it shouldn't be, and it's, it's nothing Keith can't straighten out later, even immediately, and it's not terrible, it's not the kind of thing that could cost you your eternal salvation, or, and it's, you know, it's, but to me, we've had misunderstandings that have cost us a lot over the years about some of the some of the scriptures, and honestly, some of it is stuff certain denominations would die for. But uh, since they don't understand it, um, the, the, here one of the worst things is to have some theology that you're willing to die for. But you don't really understand it, so the practice that should come out of your belief structure is non-existent. Now, you, you're going to understand what I'm trying to say here in a minute. But if you'll go to John chapter 2, I'm going to talk about what it means to be born again. And to me, um, well, we'll see in a minute. If I say too much, I'm going to lose you up front. When really, if you walk with me through this, I think you'll begin to see the primary purpose for being born again. Now, let me go right up front and say... I don't believe you can go to heaven when you die unless you're born again. Everybody okay with that? Come on. I believe that's true. However, when you read the scripture, Jesus' emphasis on eternal life is more connected to trusting him than the new birth. Now, you're going to have to read through there and see what I'm saying. Jesus' emphasis on how you get to heaven has got more to do with believing in him uh, as in... He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already. That's one verse. 
And so what we've, what we've misunderstood about being born again is we think it's primarily how to get to heaven when you die. Everybody with me? And if you are a present Southern Baptist and wound up here this morning for some strange reason, or a former Southern Baptist, you know exactly, exactly what I'm talking about. But being born again has another primary purpose to it that I think a lot of people have walked right by and not seen. And we're going to look at this. But before we do, let's read John 2.23. Because John, um, yes, John two twenty three leads right into this discussion about uh, between Jesus and Nicodemus about the new birth, the heavenly birth of being born from above, and it says this. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which he did. Now, let me read this to you out of the Weiss translation because we got to set the stage for why Nicodemus went to see Jesus. How many of you want to know why Nicodemus went to see, see Jesus? I'll tell you right up front. Nicodemus went to see Jesus because he did not understand how Jesus did what he was doing. Absolutely, absolutely. That's why he went. Now, the Weiss translation um, gives this rendering of verse 23. Now, when Jesus was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many put their trust in his name, carefully observing with a purposeful interest and a critical and a discerning eye his attesting miracles which he was continually performing. You see, he was a walking, talking, miracle-working man. Actually, I'll just emphasize this out of the same gospel. If you read the back part of John, I think if we don't understand how proficient Jesus was in signs and wonders and miracles, we're not going to understand what he meant when he told us to go preach the gospel of the kingdom. Because the gospel of the kingdom in the gospel of a government or a gospel of an association or an organization or a political structure, or even a biblical political structure, it's the good news of our available, heaven's availability to us so we can change lives. See, that's really what these guys preached, and when they preached it right, accurately, miracles happened, transformations happened, cities changed, governments got unhinged. And it wasn't about an organizational concept. It was about having access to the realm of the heavens, and Jesus himself gave the, the disciples and the apostles um, a specific prayer guideline which involved your kingdom come, your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come where? In earth, in what shape, form, or fashion? Just as it is in heaven. That was the prayer. I mean, there were other prayers. But that was the prayer. That was the company prayer. If you had a first century company t-shirt with a company prayer, the company prayer said, we are asking God to do right here what he does in heaven. That was the company prayer. But my goodness, my dear Presbyterian background, which I cherish, respect, and honor, not even Presbyterian, Reformed Presbyterian, not even Reformed Presbyterian, Associate Reformed Presbyterian, 
That's my history, my background. I'm proud of it. I'm appreciative of it. But in that tradition, we prayed that prayer every Sunday morning prior to the fried chicken dinner we would have. And I never saw anything from the realm of the heavens come into our earth realm. Instead, the elders and deacons were out on the porch smoking between Sunday school and church, just like every other Presbyterian church I was aware of at the time. I'm not critical. I'm not condemning them. If you smoke today, that's between you, your lungs, and God. I mean, you know, I, 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 here I am. My granddaddy was a tobacco farmer. <laughs> now, here's, here's where deception is so dangerous. You can have the right prayer. Pray it every week. My goodness, I went to church from before I knew I was there. To, these, to the time I was 18 or 19 years old and can go to college and get away from God for a while, which is a terrible thing to have done, but I did that. And we prayed that 52 times a year. What's 52 times 20? 1,004? I prayed the Lord's Prayer 1,004 times. I didn't get nothing. Lord, they were here a minute ago. <laughs> so it's it's not spiritual things aren't automatic most of them I guess some of them are but see if you don't understand what you're asking for if you don't have some sort of perception about what this pursuit of the heavens looks like you don't know you're not getting it I, you know my goodness, you can go into football games now, and before the boys hit the field, they'll do that Lord's Prayer. A lot of them will. But, but there's more to it than that. Um, if you look in the Gospel of John, in chap, uh, 20th chapter, last verse, you read this, And truly Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Now, you could conclude, oh, well, that means it's just not written in John's gospel, but it's written in Matthew's or Mark's or Luke's. Or Paul could have referenced some of it later. But no, because that's not true. John wrote an epilogue. or a prologue. He wrote chapter 21 later, people said. And the very last verse says, and there are many other things that Jesus did, which if they were written one by one, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. Now what you see of the miracles of Jesus in the New Testament are um, a random sampling. Not an encyclopedia of all of them. And so here in the Gospel of John we see, and Nicodemus was one of these, we're going to see this in a, in a minute, Nicodemus was one of those, verse 23 of John 2, who was carefully observing with a purposeful interest and a critical and discerning eye Jesus attesting miracles which he was constantly performing. Now, there are two more verses there in John 2, but then let's get to John 3, 1. Everybody in John 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night 
and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered. Now, what do you generally answer? A question. Okay, then I want to ask you, what was Nicodemus's question? Let me read the beginning part. Um, verse 2, this man, Nicodemus, came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. What would the question there be? How do you do this? We know you're a teacher come from God. Well, no one can do these things unless you are. So Jesus answered, Jesus, see, I used to think, here's what was going on there. I used to think Nicodemus snuck in there by night because he was scared. All his buddies might see him waffling over to the other Jesus side of religion. And so he was politely saying hello to Jesus, and then Jesus just went, you got to be born again. In other words, I'm not interested in what you're saying. I got something to say to you, and since you snuck over here at night, you chicken, let's just cut to the chase. I sort of thought that's what Jesus was doing. It never came, I never, because I did not understand Jesus' answer. I didn't understand why Jesus was talking to Nicodemus until I understood Nicodemus was saying, we, we know you're a man of God. Now, now the context is, but, but you're so different from us. You didn't come up through our ranks. You didn't go to our schools. You're not a priest. You're, not from, the, you're from the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levi. And here you are. Every time we turn around, somebody's getting a new foot, a new heart, no leprosy. Walking on water, money out of a fish's mouth. Uh, you know, God knows what else he did. And God does know. I have this idea. If we don't know everything he did, what did he do? You know, what would Jesus do? Would you walk a crippled person across the street? Or I mean, you know, that's what most people think. What would Jesus do? Be nice to people. That's not what Jesus... Sure he'd be nice to people. He'd heal them. So, so you got these little bracelets, what would Jesus do? I'll tell you what Jesus would do. He would shake people's lives up, scare them half to death with power, glory, insight, wisdom, and encouragement. He would shake their town, you know, uh, like a, uh, whatever shakes a town. What would you? And then it was, um, we've got one, what did Jesus do? That's the one we've got at Morningstar which has to do with the, the sort of the reality of redemption. Or we could go, what is Jesus doing? Is he still alive or is he dead? I mean, all of this, but I don't even know where I'm going with this. But anyway, what was I talking about before I got myself confused? Well, there you go. The pastor's paying attention. Everybody should know. <laughs> yes, sir. Jesus did things we don't know. I, I used to think about this. Okay, if everything he'd ever done, the world couldn't contain the books, what kind of things could he have done? Have you ever think that way? What could he have done? And I thought, what if he came in one day, and they were there together in a room somewhere having a meal, and Jesus said, 
Hey, boys, watch this. Boys and girls. He walks through the room. He walks up the wall. He walks upside down on the ceiling. Walks back down the other wall. Walks back over on the floor and he says, Now, what did you think about that? Now, most people's, most thinking, perceptive people's reaction is, What is that idiot talking about? Walked upside down on the roof. That's ridiculous. No, here's what's ridiculous is walking on water. That's ridiculous. At least if you're walking up the wall, it's solid. If you fall down, you're going to fall on something and not drown. Now, now, what I'm doing is I'm stretching you. You know, we, we don't know that he did that. But we know he did stuff nobody talks about. And I have a feeling some of the stuff they wouldn't talk about because they knew there ain't no way we're going to tell people he did this one because they don't even believe what they saw him do. They sure ain't going to tell. I'm not going to tell anybody he walked upside down on the ceiling. Hair didn't even hang down. Gravity wasn't even messing with him. Didn't make a lick of... Did you? Ah, that kid didn't do that. He couldn't have done that. Well, I was there. I saw it. Hair didn't even hang down. I said, you okay up there, Jesus? Now, that's ridiculous. Well, what is ridiculous? Well, here's what's ridiculous is those poor old disciples out there in that storm and Jesus walks by and sees them in the boat and going, boy, those boys could drown. This is rough. He didn't even stop to help them until they called out to him. Walking on the water. Anybody here walked on water? Not yet. Come on. I like that and not yet. But there's plenty of water out there to practice on. There you go. Now, so Nicodemus, I believe, and you know, if you can't connect with walking on the ceiling, I really can't either, but he did some stuff. He did some stuff. And, and to have done that, first of all, you, you go through this process. He wouldn't have done that because there was no need for it. See, that's one reason people use to not believe God for things. Well, he, 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 we didn't need it. We could have lived without it. How about 120 gallons of wine at a wedding after everybody already had all they wanted? Do they need a how many how many ounces in a gallon in the South? Is it 100 and how many? There's a bunch. 120. I mean, in the South, you'd have gotten run out of the place for having it. And he found water and made it. Okay, all right. I know I'm on dangerous ground here, but. Uh, I'm just telling you what happened now. Don't you get mad at me? Get mad at Jesus. He done it, not me. <laughs> come on, come ahead on. See, I'm dangerous. I don't need encouragement. <laughs> I can give it to myself. <laughs> I enjoy what I do so much sometimes. If nobody was here, I'd still be just preaching up a storm. I'd be preaching to, uh, well, Andrew needs it so bad. He's inspirational. One of the reasons I take Andrew around is uh, it helps me preach good because he needs so much I've, so much help. Isn't that right? Yeah. That was a reluctant, yeah. He, he had not con- convinced yet of his utter sinfulness, so... Uh, 
Now he's a good man. All right, I believe Nicodemus was saying, how do you do this stuff? Anybody with me so far? Yeah, good. You will be. You're polite. Okay. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, how else can you interpret born again? Born from above. So it, it's, it's as much from where you're born as it is which time it is. You with me? Born from heaven, born from above. Unless one is born, actually in the column of my Bible over there, it says, or from above. Born again, born from above. He cannot do what? See the kingdom of God. Let's say that together. Unless you're born again, you can't see the kingdom of heaven. Can't see. Now, here's what Nicodemus didn't ask. Sometimes you need to understand what he wasn't asking so that you can understand what he was asking. He didn't say, Jesus, how do I know I can go to heaven when I die? He said, you must be born again to see the kingdom of heaven. But was that his question? No, his question was, how do you do this? How does this happen? I'm, I'm the teacher of Israel. It doesn't happen for me. I was, I've studied under Gamaliel. I've never seen anything like this happen. I've obeyed the commandments. I've never seen anything like you before. How do you do this? He says, you must be born from above. Now, to do what? Somebody say, see the kingdom. Now, when you look at the word see, the word see means perceive. How many of you were bad in math in high school or college besides me? But you stuck with it best you could. Say in... Uh, Algebra, geometry, you struggled, you struggled, you struggled, and then you got it. How many of you did that at some point? You struggled, and finally you, you got it, and so you said, oh, I, I see. Unless you're born from above, you can't, as concerns the realm of the heavens, you can't go, oh, I see. It's about perception, not about vision, not about having seen something with your eyes like you would a vista or a picture. You with me? Oh, I see. So here's what being born again becomes. It becomes an eligibility factor as it relates to functioning in this life as though you have access to that life. Now, do you see me reach out and grab... Do that with me. Reach out. Because Jesus said, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And see, until you... Now, here's the problem. I'm not even talking about entering yet. I'm talking about perceiving. I haven't got to the inner yet. That's the next thing Jesus said. But um, until you are born from above until that new birth happens, you surely don't even know what it means to have a connection to the kingdom of heaven. Not go to heaven when you die. That's not the issue here. The issue is perception. Now, here's the trouble. Being born from above or being born again 
makes you eligible to perceive, but it doesn't guarantee that you will. You want me to prove that to you? How many Baptists do you know that will fight you to the death over the importance of being born again and yet have almost no appreciation or understanding or connection to signs, wonders, miracles, or the miraculous? They would actually tell you, you can't have that now. That went out with the apostles, some of them. They'll give you that. Okay, now I'm just talking about you're eligible to perceive. Now, if you're born again, are you going to go to heaven when you die? Of course you are. You put your trust in Jesus, you've got that new birth. But that is not the point Jesus was making with Nicodemus. Okay, let's, let's continue on. We okay so far? Uh, am I a heretic yet? Uh, okay. Keith says no, I'm not. Vote on it. Those, they already voting, trust me. They're not waiting until you give them permission. Now, Nicodemus is, is bamboozled, a good word, in Jessup, Georgia. Nicodemus is bamboozled, and verse 4 says to Jesus, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? We're not even going to cover that. That's the crazy next, verse 5. Ain't even going there. Jesus answered, Most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of... Anybody got a Bible? Besides the preacher, he's supposed to have one. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot do what? Enter. Oh my, this is something. Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Well, what does that mean? Well, to understand a little bit about that, let me ask you something along a little bit different lines. Why does a demon want to possess a person? Why don't they just not care about that and just go up and try to muddy up the water and do stuff? Why, why does a, a demon want to possess a human Okay, I'll tell you why. He wants to express an illegal authority through a person born in this jurisdiction. Are you with me? Now, you may or may not believe this. I'm going to tell you this. I believe it's true. A person born here apart from being born again here, just born here, has more authority than a demon. Why? Absolutely, it's a birthright. You look at guys like Mahatma Gandhi. You look at non-Christian people that did life-changing things on what basis? He told the British, you are not an Indian. You can't come to my nation and tell us what to do. Now, we're not going to fight you, but we're not going to buy you salt. We're not going to fight you, but we're not going to work for you anymore. And as a 
Indian, a, a, a person born in India. He opposed the entire British Empire, the strongest nation on the face of the earth. And all he said was, mm-mm, mm-mm. We're not going to fight. Matter of fact, I won't even eat if anybody fights. I'll quit eating till they quit fighting. How did that work? Does that make any sense? Or we don't care if you eat or not. You, you little skinny Hindu-looking character, get out of the way. We're British. Well, let me say it this way. If you go to downtown Jessup, are there street people in Jessup anywhere? You go down to downtown, down, downtown Jessup, Georgia, and find a bum or a street person or a poor homeless person. I don't mean a bum. That's a terrible phrase. That's just old Southern talk. If you find a street person, that street person has more authority in the United States than the Prime Minister of Canada. Why? He was born here. Now, when Jesus said, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom, what he meant was, these demons can't get in. They're not eligible. The only way they can express even illegitimate authority is through someone who is born here who does have authority. Now, do this. Take a man born in this realm who's not born again, who expresses his authority as a human in this place, as an American citizen on this soil, and then get him born from above. He ought to, really, he ought to be able to do some stuff. Why? Because he doesn't only have innate natural authority, he's got authority from both realms, the heavens and the earth. And he can do this, he can enter the kingdom of heaven because he has been born from there. And because he has been born from here, he can pull out of there what he needs here. Can a demon do it? Don't even let him in. If he's even going to talk to the Lord, he's got to ask permission even to come before the desk of heaven and say, can I beat Job up real good? And the Lord said, well, you can a little bit, but don't take it too far. (laughs) Anybody listening? Oh, my. You don't need to, though. It'll settle later, and you'll go, good golly. (laughs) what he said what he said okay here's what being born from above does it gives you eligibility to perceive and eligibility to enter that's called access eligibility to get in somewhere um you got an ATM card? What's your PIN number? No, I'm messing with you. No. <laughs> Keith is eligible to access his ATM machine. That's it. This represents access. Now, I have no access to Keith's account. But he does. He's been given access. It's like that ATM card represents being born again. Gives you access. Now, just because you have access, does it automatically mean you're accessing? No. 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 Think about this. Think about almost starving to death. You fainted. 
right by the ATM machine wherein you've got $10,000. And in your pocket, you've got that ATM card. But nobody ever said, and, and you're laying down there saying, how can I be starving to death? I thought since I had this ATM card, I'd have all the money I, I needed. I've got it in the bank. What's the matter? Here I am laying on the ground starving. Well, son, it's because you have access, but you have to access. Get up. Get up. Yeah. Get up. You're born again, ATM card, but you're acting like you're not born again. You've got accounts in heaven you haven't even heard about, but you've got to access them. There are people right now starving. There are people right now uh, in all kind of miserable shape who have access. Because they don't know how to exercise their access. They could enter because they're born from heaven. They have they can perceive. Now, one of the ways you perceive is you listen to what I'm telling you, and something inside goes, Oh, I see what he's talking about. Oh. See, one of the things is when you're born from above, you got to learn how to move in that realm. And one of the ways you learn how to move in that realm is get in some kind of a Holy Ghost meeting where there's some kind of a flow going on, and you just somehow get in there and start mixing it up. You start trying out some stuff. <laughs> you practice a while. Now, we think, oh, Christians don't practice. If a prophet prophesies the wrong thing, he's a false prophet. No, that's not what a false prophet is. The Old Testament says a false prophet is a person, when he prophesies accurately, he then says, don't serve Jehovah, serve this other God. That's a true biblical definition for a false prophet. When you prophesy, when you grow in that, you learn, you develop. Absolutely. You, you don't do it perfectly. Actually, Paul says that over in Corinthians. He says, let uh, several of the prophets speak. Let the others judge. Let them learn. Learn what? Learn what to do. Learn not what not to do. So they get better at it. Now, what realm in the world do you have to be perfect when you start out? How about pastors? Pastors, if you make one single mistake, they stone you. They may want to, but that ain't, you know. Or a teacher. If you don't teach everything that comes in accurately, you're done. But a prophet, No. No. You have to get in that realm, and you have to practice. How many of you ever been to a doctor? Did you go after he got through practicing or while he was still practicing? Let me tell you about a doctor. You go to the doctor, he's practicing. He doesn't know what he's doing, he's practicing. And I'll tell you something. If you go in there and give him $75 for that visit and you don't get well, he's not going to give you the money back and say, Hey, I'm just practicing. I'm sorry you didn't get well. Here, let me give you your money back. And we admire doctors more than preachers. How dumb is that? No, I'm not, I'm, I'm playing. But you know what I'm saying. They are a law. I'm waiting for a lawyer to get proficient instead of practice. That's the one I want. Now, the point is in every realm of life, you learn, you function, you do it wrong to do it right. You don't get cut off at the knees the first mistake you make. That's not going to work. Okay. Paul says in Romans 5, verse 2. See, another question I like to ask people is, can you have something good and not know it? Sure you can. You can, can let's go to the negative. Can you have something bad and not know it? Oh, my, yes, yes. You can, you can have something working in your body that's bad and you not know it till it gets worse. Well, how about something good? Could you have something good? Oh, man, this is where you ought to be shouting. Yeah, this is where you ought to be shouting. If you got something good working in you, you don't know it. Listen, I could go here. I think I will for a minute. 
we got the best seat in the house. I went to a basketball game years ago with my son. He's an Andrew. And he's uh, 29, 27, 25. He might have been 10. It's when the Charlotte Hornets NBA team first came. And we were up with some friends of my mother's in the nosebleed section. I mean, there was a rumor that those boys were playing basketball. <laughs> That's about where we were. And I noticed down, down close there were some better seats, and I noticed every once in a while people go sit in seats. I'd see them get up and go, you know, move up. So I said, hey, Andy, right before halftime, let's go down and get to some of those good seats and really watch these guys up close. He said, all right. Well, they had given him a little basketball when he came in, so he was – Bouncing that thing off the floor, off of me, off the railing, off the chair, off the people sitting by. You know, he was. And we went down and found these really good seats. Not like on the front row, but maybe fifth or sixth row. Uh, the people we were sitting with had season tickets, so they watched us. They watched us go. Oh, there they are. Yeah. Oh, Lord, did you see where they sat? Yeah, that's going to be trouble, isn't it? Yeah. I was sitting in George Shin's seat. He owned the Hornets. So there me and Andy sitting in George Shin's seats, and we're looking around, and there's eight, it's sort of a box, you know, and there are six or eight other people in there, they've got stat sheets, and they're marking stuff down. And I'm thinking, boy, these people are serious fans right here. I mean, <laughs> they writing, they're writing everything down about this game, you know. I said, and... Uh, just before the end of the half, we hadn't even been out for five minutes, and Andy's bouncing his ball off everything, driving everybody crazy within five feet, you know. And this guy leans over to me and taps me on the shoulder and goes, he said, um, you're, you're in George Shen's seat. And he just, he just came in. He's over on the other side, so you, you may want to just slip out. Now, <laughs> Everybody in that whole, all the season ticket holders in the whole uh, 17,000 seat <laughs> facility knew <laughs> where George Shin sat, knew when he came in, <laughs> saw that little fella come cruising over there, saw me and my son get up, <laughs> slink back up to the nosebleed section. I had to give me an oxygen tank, you know, to get up the last 5,000 feet, you know. <laughs> oh, me. See, then I, I was wanting the best seat in the house and couldn't get it, but now I've got it. I've got the best seat in the house. I've been raised up together and seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. But here's the problem. There'll be people that'll agree with me about where we're seated, but they're not doing any miracles. They're not walking any power. And that's more dangerous than not even knowing about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And here's what the Bible tells us. While you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. And it says, while you were dead in trespasses and sins, he raised us up and made us. Your daddy ever make you sit somewhere you didn't want to sit? Made us sit together with him in heavenly places. So, talking about can you have something really good and not know it. If you don't know what that means and you're seated in heaven with Christ Jesus and you don't really get that, yes, you got a lot to look forward to. you got a lot to discover. 
One of the reasons the kingdom of heaven is at hand is you're sitting in the depository of every marvelous spiritual benefit that's ever been created from time. You just reach out and lay hold of it. You have access if you have perception. And if you've been born from heaven, you have the eligibility to both perceive what I'm talking about and enter into that realm I'm talking about and lay hold of what I'm talking about. How often can you do it? You want him, you, you want him, I ain't going to tell you. Okay. Let me read Romans 5 too since I promised you. Through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. You're standing in a place of access. A place of grace. But you have access by faith. You've got to do something about it. It's not automatic, even though you're standing in it, in which we now stand. Listen to this. Jesus said in verse 7, Don't marvel that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind does what? Blows where? The wind blows where it wishes or wants to. Isn't that amazing? Does the wind ask permission? It doesn't ask permission? What does it do? Well, it does what it wants. The wind blows where it wishes. Okay. You're going to have to hang on here. (laughs) The wind blows where it wishes. Can you see it? No. No. No, I've never seen the wind. I've seen trees wiggle when the wind's blowing, but I've never seen it. Why do you not see the wind? Well, it's invisible. The wind blows where it wants to. You hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it comes from and where it goes. Let me ask this question again. What does the wind do? Where? Where it wants to. Then it says, well, so is... Everyone born of the Spirit. Who's born of the Spirit in this room? So you can do what? What can you do? If you're born of the Spirit and you're like that Spirit and it goes wherever it wants to, so is, instead of everyone, say me. So am I. So that means I can go where I want to but you can't see me go. What is that talking about? No, 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 it's not talking about the Spirit. It's talking about you. So is everyone. The point is not the wind. The point is the everyone who is like the wind. And what can the wind do? Go where it wants to. But can you see it? No. What's the context? Access and entrance to the realm of the heavens. I can go into the realm of the heavens when? Like the wind, when I want to. Will you see me do it? Mm-mm, not unless you can see the wind. You don't see the wind. What do you do? Well, you hear what it does. You see what it does. Well, I'm going to tell you something. When I go in that realm and I lay hold of something and I come back, you don't see me go. But when that person gets healed, they think, where did that come from? I say, I went to heaven and got it and brought it back and gave it to you. Is that what that says? 
But when you talk about that, say, oh, no, 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 no. That's the Holy Ghost. So is everyone. The point's the, the everyone. Nicodemus says, I don't get it. You know why he didn't get it? He hadn't been born again yet. He couldn't perceive it. How could he get it? He had to trust Jesus to get born again. And then after he got born again, he'd be going, oh, I see. Now, it it does matter if Jesus can go in there. But see, Jesus went into the realm. First of all, was Jesus born again? No. He was born from heaven. He didn't have to get born again. Fallen people had to get born from heaven. He came born from heaven. But he was telling everybody else, you got to get born from some place I was born from. Matter of fact, I'm still there. Now, now, you what? Well, see, Jesus actually said in verse 13, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven... That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. Now see, this this puts a different, not a completely different view of heaven, but it, it, it puts a different concept on heaven. Jesus was saying this, I am living in two places at the same time. I'm living in the earth and I'm living out of the heavens. That's what a true Christian is. They're a person born of water and a person born of the Spirit who have authority in two realms, who have access to two realms. And they have an adversary who wants to stop them called the devil. Now, That's about all I've got to say about that. Me and Forrest Gump. Why don't we pray? I don't usually ask people, why don't you stand up with me here saying, let's pray. Because I know I downloaded a bunch, and I think you already believe what I'm saying. You just may not have couched it in these terms. But was this helpful, a viewpoint? Father, I know that in Jessup, Georgia, there are people that you have destined for these people to touch with that other realm. And Lord, I'm asking that not only will they hear what I'm saying, but on another level. Because Lord, I know they've heard a lot. I know they have a lot. I know they've done a lot. I know they're spiritual. Lord, it's not like I came in. Turn the tide. But Lord, I'm asking that they would become so encouraged about the access they have to the kingdom of heaven, to the kingdom of God, that their whole heart that says your kingdom come in the earth as it is in heaven will begin to lay hold at a new level to touch this region with the good news of the kingdom of heaven. Father, bless them, touch them, help them. In Jesus' name, amen.